John, chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The word of the Lord. Mic working. Can you all hear me fine? It is green. I think you, you tracking with me? Okay. Amen. Well, good morning again. All right. It's my great honor and privilege to be with you all this morning and share the word of God. So I want to say one more time before we uh, move into our message. I'm thankful to the Lord, thankful to your pastor, and to you all for having me this morning. Um, having our scripture already been read, please join me in prayer, and we'll move into our message from there. God, we thank you for your great grace and being a faithful God. We thank you, Lord, for uh, being present in this place with us today. Uh, we ask during this time, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord. Help us to hear from you. You tell us in your word, Father, that when your word goes forth, it will not return void, but it will accomplish what you set it out to do. Heal in this place today, Father. Restore, teach, encourage, and lift up. Show us what it means, to, Lord, to live lives that, that glorify you. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. These words penned by William Ernest Henley in his famous poem, Invictus, uh, have been the impetus for many years uh, for individuals who have adopted a uh, take-life-by-the-horns mentality, for individuals who have a, a take-charge attitude, meaning that um, I am in charge of my own life and I create my own destiny. I control what happens to me. Uh, this approach to life has increased uh, drastically in the past years in our society and is very rampant today. 
Uh, there are no shortage of books and, and, and conferences and, and seminars and uh, social media pages promising uh, the ability to create the life uh, you want and to make yourself the person you want to be. Market research suggests that by the year 2022, the so-called self-help industry will be worth 13 billion, with a B, dollars. Man is hopelessly caught in a pursuit uh, for his own satisfaction, uh, his own glorification, and defining his own purpose. And so man thinks in the world that he can run his own life. Yet a recent article in the LA Times suggests that um, Americans are noticeably uh, more unhappy, uh, and there's research to prove it. According to Forbes, the top three things that people desperately desire but cannot seem to obtain are peace, fulfillment, and joy. Obviously, with so much dissatisfaction on the rise, this means that man is not able to control his own life, even though many people are caught in that desire to, to do so, to caught in that endeavor to run themselves and to really be their own God. So what is the sure way to a productive life? Jesus, in this, in this same book that we're in, in the book of John, promises life and, and hope and, and peace and, and, and being the bread of life and, and, and living water and the abundant life. What is the way to a truly successful and, and truly productive life? We find our answer in our text today from John 15, and I want you all to think with me on the thought of staying connected to Christ. Staying connected to Christ. In light of any other opportunities or things that come up in a person's life, the, the most important thing someone can do to ensure success, to ensure real productivity, not just doing things, but doing things that matter and will have an eternal impact, is staying connected to Christ. And so as we tease out our text this morning, we will understand how the Lord approaches this point. So our text this morning is set in what is known as the farewell discourse. The Lord Jesus is talking to his disciples and our setting is, is hours before Christ will be rested, uh, wrongly tried, and crucified. He initiates an intimate conversation with his disciples. He knows that he is preparing to leave this earth very soon. And he wants them to know what they should do and how they should act on the other side of the cross. He understands that he is leaving this world physically very soon, and he wants his disciples to understand how they are to carry themselves and how they are to continue that relationship uh, with the Lord, even though he's not physically present. And, and, and so what he tells them in this text applies to them, and of course it applies to us as well. In our current time, how we can stay connected to the Lord. He prepares them and us for life after the cross in our time today. So Jesus employs the metaphor of God the Father as a, as a gardener, as, as a vine dresser who plants the Lord Jesus in the world. And every believer 
who, who's truly been born again, who's truly in Jesus Christ, is a branch on that true vine, which is Jesus Christ. This example of Christ as a vine is set in the context of the scripture in contrast uh, to Israel from the Old Testament, which was a false vine. Whereas Jesus provides true purpose, true identity, true salvation, Israel th throughout the Old Testament constantly uh, provided uh, sick fruit, bad fruit, false fruit. Instead of being uh, sincere in the ways of God, the people of Israel continue to backslide and, and follow false gods and, and tradition and their own ways and opinion and so forth. And so Jesus sets himself up in, in contrast to that background as the true vine, as the true source from God, as the only uh, and necessary source for the believer. All the believer has and is, is set in the foundation of being connected to the true vine. And so to look at that succinctly, we understand that the, the, the life of each individual Christian is simply to be understood as just as simple as being a branch connected to a vine. Believers are simply an extension of Jesus Christ. All that our lives constitute should simply be an outworking of what the Lord wants to do in and through us. We are branches on the vine. Along with that same metaphor, the Lord goes on to present two types of branches, those that produce fruit and those that do not. Jesus here is making a sharp distinction, a, a sharp contrast between these two types of branches, those who produce fruit and those that do not. And so what he's showing us here is that there are two types. Um, there are believers, there are people that produce fruit, and there are those who do not. He makes a sharp distinction between these two types of people, those who are truly connected to the vine and those who simply look like they're connected to the vine. One distinguishing mark of a true Christian is the presence of fruit, is the presence of godly character. Believers at different stages in their Christian walk will show this to differing measures and may have larger struggles than other believers. But one distinguishing mark of every true born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is the presence of some type of fruit, some outworking of the life of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in you. And so when Christ says that these fruitless branches are taken away, he is not saying as something that salvation can be taken away or that salvation can be lost. His point is that these fruitless branches were never true believers. That, that, that's a true point of distinction because Jesus Christ says out of his own mouth, if you've really been born again, there's some evidence in your life it may not be a lot. You may have a lot of struggles still, but there's some evidence that you've been born again, and that evidence is fruit. So the gardener takes them away. Why? Because he has no dealing with them. There's no reason to move forward with them because they're not true believers. Notice that verse 6 points out that these individuals who are taken away are headed to the fire and burned. These are not true believers. They're headed towards judgment, eternal judgment. But contrarily, for the people of God, uh, true believers, the ones who, who, who show fruit, are, are, are cut 
they are pruned in order to bear more fruitfulness, in order to yield more godly character in their life. Just like in the natural world, a gardener has to, has to cut uh, a, a branch of a vine to cut off some shoots or some, some tendrils that are holding back or are hindering growth. God cuts his own. God cuts his people with the knife of affliction to remove those things that hinder growth in our lives. These could be sinful habits. These could be sinful thoughts. This could be people in our lives that hinder our growth. It could even be neutral things that are taking our time and thoughts away from pursuing godliness. But the Lord uses the knife of affliction to cut his own, to remove the things that hinder godly growth and that stifle uh, us pressing toward the mark of maturity. Have you ever really, really, really thought about that? I mean, oftentimes we approach situations like Job. Whenever something happens, we immediately go to what we did wrong, and God must be punishing me uh, for something that I did. Sure, some hardships in our lives are the result of our sin because God wants to remove those things from our life. But many of the trials that we face are the result not of our sin, but the result of our faithfulness, not the result of our disobedience, but simply the result of the fact that God wants to push us towards who he's called us to be. The knife of affliction is a part of the life of every single believer because it's part of God's plan for my life and yours. God sees the woman or man that he's created you to be. He he knows all the fruit he wants you to bear. He knows who he wants to raise you up to and, and build you into. And so he uses the trials of life to push you toward maturity in Christ. And so in regards to the thought of staying connected to Christ, and so in regards to the thought of of how to uh, achieve this life of peace and fulfillment and joy, I have three A's for you this morning. And the first one is accept. We must accept God's pruning and accept God's correction. We must accept willingly the pruning and connection of God the Father. This is especially hard today because in our society, we value comfort and ease and rest above all things. Yet God is clear that hardship and pain and turmoil and trials are a necessary factor to spiritual growth. The great commentator uh, Charles Spurgeon says, affliction is the handle of the knife, but we are pruned by the word of God. Affliction is the handle of the knife, but we are pruned, we are cut by the word of God. So don't ignore your trials, no matter how hard they may be, no matter how hard these things may feel, no matter how much you don't want to endure. Learn to lean into them, learn to accept them, learn to experience them, but also find solace in the word of God. If we're true with ourselves, when life seems relatively easy, we don't, we don't make the time to read our Bible daily like we do when something bad is going on. We all know it's part of our human nature. It's something a part of stress. It's something a part of pain. It's something a part of problems that makes us open up the Word of God. And, and so instead of asking God, take this away, or just asking God what's going on here, learn to lean into that problem and see what it is God's trying to build in you and, and remove away from you. Lean into your problems 
and find solace in the word of God. Accept the correction of God. Like an Olympic bodybuilder or or a marathon runner, uh, us as the people of God must accept the old adage, no pain, no pain, pain is involved in achieving God's best for you. Accept the correction of God. So this is why in verse 3, Jesus says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. He's just made it clear that uh, all true believers must be cut. All true believers must be pruned. But he goes on to say, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So Jesus makes the point that because of the gospel, because of the word that's been spoken to believers, we're already clean. God sees us as clean already. Stay with me. So if you've been born again in Christ, your position has been you are freed from sin. We just read a scripture earlier in service. You are a new creation. This is your position in Christ. Saved, washed, sanctified, justified, glorified. You are a new creation in Christ. We are washed by the blood. This is how God sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. In verse 2, Christ says that believers must be cut. Think about the word prune. In verse 3, Jesus says that we're already clean. The word prune and the word clean in Greek are cognates. They're very similar words. And so to say it succinctly, Jesus is, it has a play on words. And what he's saying is to his followers, in one sense, I need to clean you. But in another sense, you are already clean. In one sense, I must develop and mature you. But in another sense, you're already there. Christ desires to make our practice match our position in Christ. God desires to make you in practice who you already are in position. God desires to make your lifestyle, your your daily walk with him, move closer and closer to who he already sees you as in Christ. He added you to the vine to bear fruit. He saved you for a purpose. He sees who he's called you to be. And the only way to get there is to be prone. And he sees where he's taking you because he's faithful. So how do we grow into who God has called us to be? This is a hard process. I'm sure we've all, people who have walked with God for a long time understand this, that we, we trust God and that we have faith in God and that we follow him and that we submit to his will. But I think we need some specifics here. How do we engage in this process towards leaning into affliction in life, towards being pruned willfully, not resisting God, and learning to walk into the will that God has for us? By abiding in Christ. The only way to get to the person that God has called you to be is to learn how to abide in him. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. So what does it mean to abide in Christ? Jesus says this relationship is just like the relationship in the natural world of a branch that's connected to a vine. So what is a branch without a vine? Nothing. A vine is the source of life and the reason for the branch's existence. And so it is with us and Christ. We know that salvation never goes away. We know that. We know that once that relationship starts, 
There's no way to end that if it's, if it's true. And so abiding, though, must mean something going farther beyond that. It goes farther beyond having a relationship with Christ, but to really press into that relationship. So in the thought of knowing that Christ is our source, is our reason for existence, abiding means to exist. Abiding means to remain. Abiding means to endure. And abiding means to continue. Far beyond just being saved, when Jesus says abide in me and uses the intimate metaphor of a branch and a vine, that that deep interconnectedness, what he's saying that all believers should strive for for a, a, a vibrant and flowing connection and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. A branch is nothing without a vine. And so we must live intentionally in that same way. For the people of God, abiding means to to live our Christian lives fully aware of our total and complete dependence on the Lord Jesus. Those seasons of life where where the people of God feel dry and and, and stagnant and and stale are, are always connected to times where we're not pressing in, where we've laid down our Bible reading, where we've laid down our meditation, where our church attendance has faded away. And so God calls us to intentionally and actively and persistently press toward a relationship with him, to live knowing and believing and understanding your your daily decisions, your daily actions, to live with the thought that you are fully and completely dependent on him. You live your life as an extension of Jesus because he is your source. You realize that your purpose is to only fulfill his purpose for your life. You accept the pruning, you accept the cutting, you accept the pain, and you hold fast to his teaching. We continue this thought about how just deep and real this relationship is in the natural world between a branch and a vine. So so the vine provides life. The the, the vine provides life-giving sap and and nutrients and, and life to the branches. So just like the vine provides sap to the branches, Jesus Christ provides his Holy Spirit to each and every believer. He provides that spiritual life uh, to those who are in him, who have truly been born again. The very life and presence of God are constantly being renewed in you when we abide in Christ. We we, we strive for that connectedness. We strive to, to feel the Holy Spirit pulsating and strengthening and renewing us. When we learn how to truly abide in Christ, we can say as Paul did in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We simply live to be an extension of the vine. When we learn how to truly abide in Christ, we understand that it is not our lives, but indeed Christ has taken over. So how do we do this in practice? How do we live out this daily act of abiding in Christ? How do we learn how to stay in constant communication with him? 
Now, if you've been in church for some time, I'm going to mention some things that you've heard before, but, un- but understand we all need to be revived and strengthened and built up in Christ. Amen? So how do we learn how to daily abide in him and to develop this communication with him? Two things that believers cannot get away from are time in the word and prayer. It seems so rote sometimes. It seems so uh, perfunctory at times. But the believer cannot get away from communing with God through the word and through prayer. The physical person of Christ is not here, but he gives us his spirit. And as we pray to God and meditate on his word, we develop that continual oneness with him. And we experience the life that the Holy Spirit continually gives us as he revives us and renews us. And so some things that people may have thought about or, or, or may not have is to remember, and I think this is especially true on the cusp of a new year, because people are naturally thinking about goals and what you want to do and how you want to do it and scheduling already. Um, making time to talk to Jesus daily, making time to pray on a daily basis, making time to hear from Christ daily, uh, t- time for true and, and deep and intimate prayer. Now, we can all pray, but I mean real prayer. I used to do this thing years ago, and uh, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I would call it a doorknob prayer. And I'd be on my way out the door, and I'd grab it and say, oh, I didn't pray today. And I'd say a little 60-second, thank you, Lord, bless you, bless everybody in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> and I'd run out and go to work or wherever I had to do. And the Holy Spirit said, come on now, like, is that really prayer? But real communication with God, really hearing from him, making time not only to talk, but also to listen on a daily basis, making time to not only read your Bible, but to meditate on it, not just to read it, but time in that same period of time, whether it's in your morning time or your lunch time or your evening time or uh, any time in between your break time, when you read the word, but also pause to think, how does this apply to me? It's one thing to say, acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll direct your paths. It's another to say, okay, Lord, how do you want me today to follow you in all my ways and do direct my specific path for my life? So to meditate on the word, how does, Lord, how does the scripture apply to me? It's very important in our relationship with the Lord and uh, our union with Christ, even though we have the relationship, to continue to develop it. Any relationship, no longer how long it's been going on, if it's not cultivated, it will get stale, it will get dry, and at sometimes it will feel non-existent. So I think the, the, the Bible presents the relationship as marriage as one of the closest analogies or parallels uh, to our union with Christ. How odd would it be if you saw a couple on their wedding day uh, exchange rings and uh, profess vows to each other and, and, and kiss and go through the um, reception and all those types of things and then shake hands and say, all right, well, it was nice seeing you. I'll see you next year. It's goofy, right? It doesn't make any sense. But a lot of that do that in our relationship with Jesus. We have the relationship, but then we've just walked away. We don't make the time to truly press in toward him and truly press toward that intimacy. We have to continue the relationship. We have to strengthen that union between us and Christ. God calls us to do that through affliction, 
through um, accepting uh, the pruning and the cutting in our lives, through time in the Word, through time in prayer, through pressing toward intimacy with Him, hearing from Him. Just like any relationship, it takes work to develop it. No relationship lasts if it hasn't been developed. You make time to deepen and strengthen your relationship. And then another key part is that you obey the direction that you receive. We've just talked about this. It goes beyond reading the word, studying the word, praying. But what God gives you, what the Holy Spirit leads you to do, you have to do it. You have to follow his will for your life. So we've already addressed the non-believer. But I want to get back to the second about the, the person who may feel dry. So there may be somebody here who knows for a fact that you're saved, you, you know you have a relationship with God, um, but you may feel stifled, uh, you may feel uh, cut off, uh, you don't feel the, the life-giving sap of the Holy Spirit flowing in you, you may feel dry and, and, and withered and disconnected. And so in the same thought of being specific, if, if you think there is some hindrance, some wedge between you and God, ask him today, ask him right now, uh, Lord God, what is stifling me? What is hindering my oneness with you? What is hindering my connection with you? What is blocking that vital connection between you and your Lord Jesus Christ, your source, your vine? Don't hesitate. Do it today. And so we accept the Lord's pruning. We accept the cutting. We accept the discipline. We accept the pain. And we also abide in him. We also actively and persistently press toward oneness with Jesus. And as we accept the pruning of God the Father, as we learn to abide in him, that result is that we allow, we allow much fruit bearing in our lives. We allow much fruit bearing in our lives. So what is this fruit? What is it that Jesus is talking about? Verses 7 and 8 shed light on this of what the fruit, of the fruit is in regards to this analogy of the vine and the branches. Um, it can be teased out more, but answered prayer in our lives and the glory of God the Father. When we learn how to truly abide in Christ, our prayers are answered. God leads us. God guides us. God strengthens us. Notice in verse 7, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. You cannot separate love for Christ for, uh, from love for his word. When you really love Jesus, you will learn to love his word and meditate on it and internalize it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Because then you learn how to pray in a way that pleases God. You're praying the word of God and the will of God over your life. And so your will, your desires, your passion come in line with the will of God. And so when you learn to abide in Christ, your prayers are answered, and this is a life that brings glory to the Father, which is why we're here in the first place. The one who abides in the Word has a deep and rich and vibrant prayer life. As he or she continues to pray uh, for the will of God and continues to follow it, that obedience will bring glory to the Father. So this will also include the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all these godly characteristics coming out in our lives, and the conversion of souls. This is what God has called us to do. This is part of the Great Commission. This is who God has called us to be, to shine our, shine our lights in this dark world. But regardless of what God has called you to do specifically, 
It all starts with a reproduction of the life of Jesus um, and his character in the life of the believer, just like that life-giving sap produces fruit on a branch. This is very important because even in our current society today, it's very easy to get caught up in uh, external fruit. Um, how many people I invited to church, how much I read my Bible, um, how many programs I volunteered for, how many presents I handed out, which are all good things on themselves. But Jesus makes it very clear that the way true fruit is produced is through working inside the believer first, just like uh, sap produces life inside the branch, which is then evinced through fruit. Christ desires to work in us and then the life of Jesus is expressed uh, consequently. So, so, so be sure that the fruit you're producing is not only external, but it comes from a vibrant relationship with Jesus. As the fruit of the Spirit begins to develop increasingly in you, the life of Jesus is shown more and more in all that we say and do. Thus, our standing in Christ is confirmed more and more. As we learn to continually abide in Christ and pray, and we're following his will, he strengthens us, he leads us, that builds our own faith. That gives us more peace. That gives us more joy. That gives us more confidence in him. And we're strengthened in our uh, standing in Christ. I'm a firm believer that uh, many individuals who are saved but, but aren't sure or on the fence aren't pressing towards oneness, oneness with Jesus. If they were abiding in him and following his word, they would feel the presence of Christ with them daily. And so as we live lives of faithful obedience and prayer, the Lord strengthens us. So that not only brings glory to the Father, but it also gives us a sense of confidence and peace and joy as well. So fruit, then, is everything in your life that is the result of faithful prayer and obedience. The fruit in your life is everything that is the result of faithful prayer and obedience. Notice Christ says that apart from me, you can do nothing. So you can do things outside of the will of God, but only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do is the result of faithful prayer and obedience has the promise of bringing glory to the Father and bringing you joy. And so we see this great synergy here because Jesus promises, promises in verse 11 uh, that abiding in him uh, will cause great joy. And he says, um, he says that that joy will, will be full. He says, if you abide in me, um, you will have my joy and your joy will be full. So not only will you have joy, but it's complete. It's to the max. It's joy to the max. So on the cusp of a new year, thinking about plans, thinking about goals, thinking about what God has called you and I to be, Christ shows us that the sure path to peace, fulfillment, and joy is simply learning how to press in and abide in him. We accept his pruning. We abide in Christ. And we allow then uh, fruit bearing to take place. We are not the captains of our souls. We are not the masters of our destinies. God is. So you learn to accept his discipline. You learn to stay connected intimately to Christ. And you allow the outworking in your life that will bring glory to the Father and also great joy 
in your own lives. I close with the words of David in Psalm 1611. In your presence is the fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore.